0: to continue um, the series on righteousness. This theme is really booming and developing in my heart to such a degree. It's overwhelming me right now. It's like I can't type fast enough as I see things in God's Word and I see things unfolding. Um, It's a real challenge, but if anything I know is a now word, present word, it is this issue on righteousness. Great to see Dylan. Great to see you. Amen. I want to just kick off, Uh, we did a whole lot of things up to this point, but I really want to focus again on the word of the Lord as our instruction for righteousness. The Bible calls God's word in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, and for training in righteousness. What trains you in righteousness? Come on, talk to me. What trains you in righteousness? It's God's word. So the word of God is my trainer in terms of how to live righteously. That's 2 Timothy 3.16. Hebrews 5.13 also calls God's word the word of righteousness. Okay? Everyone say the word of righteousness. Right? It's called the Word of Righteousness. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, I think it is, let me just get my yeah. Sorry, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. If you look at that, it says that Noah, the last part of that verse, um, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Everyone say a preacher. So he was a preacher of righteousness. Genesis 6 verse 9 says the following, that Noah was a righteous man. Everyone say he was a righteous man. So this says he was a righteous man. And when Peter comments about, about him in his book, Peter says that he was a preacher of righteousness so he was righteous in his person before he became a preacher of righteousness his message was righteousness wasn't it not if you say the man was a preacher of righteousness his message was righteousness but the man was righteous before he had a message on righteousness you cannot preach anything that you have not mastered in your person The person is righteous, therefore the person is authorized to preach righteousness. Don't practice what you preach. Only preach what you practice. Your capacity to speak and to counsel anybody on anything is dependent upon the degree to which you have personally mastered that thing in your life. You are authorized to speak because you live the thing. You are empowered to speak because that thing has become you. Notice, He was righteous, therefore He could preach on things that He was. And I want to encourage us. The Word of God, listen carefully, I want to say it again. Hebrews 5.13 calls God's Word a Word of righteousness. Second Timothy 3.16 says, Or oh, the Word of God instructs us in righteousness. How to live? righteously. and that word is extremely powerful. Now you must just track with me as we as we uh, deliver the word of the Lord this morning. I've been si- sharing with you recently how that the grace of God reigns in righteousness. That's our theme for this series. Where does grace reign? It reigns in righteousness. So grace first produces righteousness. And then requires it to thrive or to rule in. So grace or righteousness is the result of grace. But being the result of grace, it also then requires it to reign in. So that in the first instance in your walk with Christ, grace produced that righteousness called the gift of righteousness. Now you are becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus through your progressive obedience to the... To the word of the Lord. Grace made you righteous in the first place. And then grace now says to you, now that you are made righteous by the gift, take God's word and live by its principles. Because that now is your instructor in righteousness. how to practically live it out. Now when you obey, you'll obey it by the power that the grace of God affords you. But having obeyed, you're living right. Guess what happens after that? more grace comes to attend you. More grace is showered upon you because grace not only produces righteousness, but as righteous practice is observed, you become a righteous practitioner, more grace is recruited or attracted to you because you are doing the right thing. So it says, if you look at Genesis 6 and verse 8, that's uh, Noah. These are, the, verse 8 says, Noah found favor. Look at the King James. Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. So Noah finds grace. And the next verse in the NASB says that this is the record of the generations of Noah. He was a righteous man. So what does grace look for? Grace looks for righteousness to land. Grace wants to land somewhere. What is it looking for? righteousness in the first place it generated that state and then it requires that state practiced so that it come and camp or live or be couched looks for an environment in which to thrive for those of you that have been, haven't been following the series uh, Romans 5:17 and Romans 5:21 are key Romans 5:17 says that you need two things to reign in life Abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. But Romans 5.21 says that that, uh, grace reigns in righteousness. So if you need grace, watch, and you need righteousness to reign in life, grace is the thing. Everyone say grace is the thing. Grace is is what you need. But grace, Romans 5.21, look at it Luke. Romans 5.21 is saying That grace would reign through righteousness. If you look at verse 17, go to verse 17. If you look at verse 17, it says you need two things to reign where in? In life. What do you need to be successful in life? Two things. An abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That's one verse. Verse 21 says, well, if you need those two to reign in life, the one requires the other to work as its partner so that grace would reign through or in righteousness you must always have these verses in mind when we do the series what is grace looking for righteousness i call righteousness grace's partner It, it, it wants a partner it wants to work with something when you get those two dynamics in one person i'm telling you favor like it was given to noah favor will come to to you but what we're seeing today is and this is uh, just to, 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 to remind you of two very important scriptures which I will talk about in a moment. Psalm so 84 verse, verse 11 says, 8411 says the following, The Lord God is a son, you should know this by, off by heart by now, come on. The Lord God is a son and shield. He gives two things. He gives grace and glory. To who? No good thing will He withhold from the man that walks uprightly. Uprightly is righteously. So here you've got a man with an upright walk, and what does God offload to that man? Grace and and glory. The other one you must always remember is Psalm, Proverbs 22.11. Remember? Proverbs 22.11. I'm just reminding you before we go on. Who he who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. Purity of heart is righteousness. So if you love purity, which is righteousness, what then will guarantee to be on your lips? Grace. You'll be the recipient of grace, and grace is most effectively communicated by speech. You speak grace. Not so? Who wants grace on your lips? Anybody? Yeah? Go to Ephesians 4.29 or thereabouts. I want to encourage you. Grace is communicated by speech, by by speaking. That's why the word of the Lord carries grace. When you are seated here, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment. Why? So that everyone say so that. Why must you speak a right word, an edifying word, according to the need of the moment? What is the recipient going to hear from? Or receive it says so that it will give grace. grace to those who hear. Now, come on, let me see your hands. Who's who wants your speech full of grace? Yeah. Now go back to Proverbs to 11 It says the following. I'm just recapping a few important things. You want your speech then gracious, right? You want grace. You want every time you speak, grace must just ooze out of your mouth and your hearers are edified and built up you're not speaking nonsense you're speaking grace tell you never no more nonsense only grace <laughs> this is according to the need of the moment every moment every conversation has a need of the moment and you have the answers to someone's need of the moment so when you open your mouth what is released the grace of god but what is prerequisite to that everyone say purity of heart so if you have a pure heart you will see god if you have a pure heart grace comes and lands on righteousness so jude 4 jude chapter 1 verse 4 we said some people take advantage of the fact that god is gracious and then we we examine this verse in detail i'm not going to go through everything here they say that this phrase they turn everyone say turn yeah. to turn here means to pervert you change the objective for why the thing exists so you turn the grace of god into lie sensuousness and deny our lord uh, jesus christ so grace is not license to sin i said to you not so so grace is not lie sensuous living right and specifically there in context the word is has got to do with sensuality sexual freedom uncontrolled lust unbridled lust immorality lewdness of any kind so it has to do with sins of the flesh licentiousness so don't turn the grace of God into freedom to do as you as you please got to be disciplined and then I say this to you. This is where we ended off last time. Two verses that I want to um, again just re-echo and then go on. First Corinthians 6:12 says the following: "All things are lawful for me, but all, not all things are expedient. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any." Okay, that's that's the one. Um, that's First Corinthians 6:12. Everyone say. I will not be mastered by anything. I'm going say it louder. I will not be, say it as a, say, I will not be mastered, not be mastered. By, anything. by anything. Right? Now, in context, it's saying some things are lawful. In other words, it might be fine to do spiritually. It's not sin. Can't classify the thing as sin. So it's lawful, but it might not be profitable. So, not because it's permissible can it be profitable. Some things are fine to do, but not good for you. Right? And it's saying in this context, okay, that's fine. So then, the permissibility of a thing must not be reason for you to engage in it if it's going to negatively impact on you spiritually. Right? might be right but wrong for you now right and um, so this verse everyone say 612 come on say 612 then say (laughs) 1023 these verses you must remember 612 both in first corinthians by the way don't forget the book otherwise you'll be lost (laughs) okay first corinthians 12 everyone say 612 say 1023 10.23 10.23 10, 20 says something very similar. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. But the verse gives a different rider, a different way of concluding it. It says, all things are lawful, but not all things do what? Not all things edify. Okay? Not all things edify. So, listen carefully. I just wrote this in my note late last night. I said... From meditating upon 1st Corinthians 6.12 and 1st 1 Corinthians 10.23 comparing these two verses both start off similar but end off differently right they both that all things are lawful but not all things are profitable right the one ends I will not be mastered by anything and the other one ends this one all things are lawful but not everything is edifying so you must listen carefully two things I wrote in my notes here the ending of these verses highlight motivations, why we must master any tendency, which might not be sin, but which will definitely hinder our walk in Christ. What is the motivation? What does Paul, he's writing this, I'm saying to Paul, did you forget what you said a few verses back? He says, no, 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 I'm giving another motivation. In the first place, he says, do not allow anything to master you. And the second time he says, ask yourself, will it edify me? So, two things. Everyone say two things. These two things are the following. I want to encourage you. Listen, number one, based on 1 Corinthians 6.12, it's this. Where he says, I will not be brought under the power of, of anything. It's this. Assert your self-control. Everyone say self-control. self-control. Self-control, do you know, is a fruit of the Spirit. So, if it's a fruit of the Spirit... It's not entirely left to you if you know how to tap into the power of the Spirit to help you control your passions. Eh? Everyone say self control. Self-control. Say self governance. You're not going to rule the earth unless you rule this earth first. Yeah. This earth? You want to take worlds? You're not taking anything until you take this part of the earth. Amen? So it says the motivation is assert your self control. And your dominance over every decision, habit, or behavior. Right? Everyone say, I'm I'm a master. Listen, we are not called to slavery to sin, we are called to mastery over sin. Say it again. You are not called to slavery to sin, you are called to mastery over sin push back your shoulders if you have to say i'm the man or the woman and you not saying that you say let this thing wants to tempt me to sin you say no everyone said light say no, no you say no. no what are you saying i'm in absolute control here i'm not allowing my whims and my emotions to lure me and to lead me away i'm not going to be full prey to instinct to passion, to allurement. I'm not a victim of that. No, no, no. I'm the master. I say, no. Everyone say, self-control. So 6.12, it says, I will not allow anything to master me. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Let me just get to the second motivation. In, in the second motivation, in 10.23, he says, all things might be lawful, but not everything is building up. Not What does edify mean? To to build up. You must always ask um, yourself. I wrote you my notes here, if something, some activity, behavior or preoccupation or thinking process does not edify and build you up, it may very well serve to erode you and to erode your spiritual strength despite how innocent it might appear to be. Don't be fooled by the innocence of the thing. It's not, I'm not talking about sin, it's not sin, not bad, innocent, but question is, always ask yourself, is this edifying or is this eroding? Is this going to push me forward spiritually or take me back spiritually? I'm not sinning, no problem, you're not sinning, but you're not getting any closer to God by engaging in either, right? That's a very important consideration, Okay. So I want to encourage you. You know, it's, it's a very good thing to then ask yourself. A lot of people ask, well, the scriptures don't say anything about this. The scriptures are quiet about this. I'm left to myself to decide what is right to do. I will ask you, apply these two principles. Number one, is the thing controlling you? Or can you put off the TV when you want to? Or are you submitted to that idol? So long as it's there, test your self-control by saying no. Don't be mastered by it, right? And secondly, ask yourself, is this going to build me up? If something is good, but is my master, even though it's not sin, it's proof that I'm enslaved in some respect. It's my master. And Paul is saying here, hey guys, it's lawful, but don't let it be your master. Prove your mastery over it by you saying no to it, okay? I've said no to two teaspoons of sugar recently. You say, sugar, taking sugar is no sin. Yeah, taking two teaspoons of sugar in eight cups of coffee every single day is not a sin. Sixteen teaspoons of sugar per day for as long as you're living, but not good for you. Then I can argue, or no, 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 I liked, I'm a sweet tooth person, I want my sweet coffee, it's my thing, don't tell me dust. <laughs> <laughs> right? Argue people, right? But, questioned, will that impact me spiritually? Yes. You say, how? Well, I'm going to live a short life. Because that's going to cause cancer. It's going to erode my, my claws cause, high, what do you call this? Uh, give me uh, sugar, diabetes, it'll cut my life. But you say, but Randolph, you are strong, you got a strong spirit. Yeah, but strong spirit needs strong body too. So I can't just say, well, not sin, leave me to my cake every day. In fact, for dessert, I'm having two bowls. Nobody can tell me it does. Not impacting me spiritually, but... After you eat your five bowls of trifle, don't phone me at night and say, come pray for my diabetes. Because what you're doing is innocent. But listen carefully. The issue is not its innocency. The, The issue is it's mastered you. The issue is you are mastered by something. And mastery to something is not your your character it's not your inheritance in Christ you are called to rule things so I want to encourage you start by small things yeah can you miss a soccer game and come to a church meeting while it's the World Cup is World Cup mastering you or have you can you say that thing is not my master I like it I want to watch the games But if push comes to shove, and you put a kingdom priority versus an earthly temporal thing in front of me, guess what? That thing got no chance. It does not master me. I master it. Not so? Tell you about master. Must master things. Yeah? Got to master things. And I'm sure you can use a whole lot of examples to try and demonstrate the principle. But I think you've got the principle Sufficiently well enough. Now, I wrote you a big in my notes late last night. We are not called to slavery to sin. But we are called to mastery over sin. Repeat after me. I'm nobody's slave. Come on, say it. I'm nobody's slave. I'm nobody's slave. Every one of you must walk out of this building saying, I'm in absolute control. The, I'm, not, I'm not the subject to, to passions or context or environment you know people say oh i went there but why did you do it i couldn't help myself Mm. no more i'm saying you can't help yourself you say that thing no no more tell someone no more no more more. don't tell me i can't help myself no you can you are the master i assert you in the spirit you can control your passions you can say no To sin and no to things that are not sin, but might not be good for you, doesn't edify you. You say no. I am in control. Tell your neighbour, learn how to say no to the right things. things. Amen. Look at first. Look at John chapter eight, verse. In fact, let me just read to you. I love the Message Bible. On some instances, the Message Bible, please remember, is not a. Bible translation, it's a transliteration, and that is different. Don't use it to determine doctrine. As a main source of study, you can use it to amplify things when reading it, right? Because it makes sense sometimes. But I like how the message puts First Corinthians six twelve. Check this out. Listen, because don't, most of you don't have the message on on you unless you have downloaded it to your phones. First Corinthians six twelve. Go to 6.12, this verse in the Message Bible goes like this, watch. Just because something is technically legal, does not mean it's spiritually appropriate. Repeat that out to me. Because something is technically legal, doesn't mean it's spiritually appropriate, right? And then it, to, to, it says all things are lawful, but I will not be mastered. This is how the Message says it, watch message says, if I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, then I will be a slave to all my whims, right? A slave to all my whims. Now, the Word of God, listen carefully, and I really want to stress this this morning. God's Word is going to be the thing that's going to teach you self-control. The Word of God is power. It's not just principles. It's not just doctrine. When it's in you, you have something by which to fight off temptation. To say no to to the enemy. Or no even to good things that might be bad for you. If you don't install the Word, you have nothing to fight with. The Word is going to fight through you. That's why I'm so serious now. Everyone must have access to a Bible. A Bible every one of you in this house must read this word daily if you're not installing it in your heart you have nothing to fight with the devil will throw this and that against you but unless you have the sword of the spirit that's what the scriptures call this word calls it the sword of the spirit you're going to be powerless to fight the enemy now look at the following scriptures john verse 31 and 32 is a well-known portion check out what it says it says the following it says um so jesus was saying to those jews who had believed in him if you continue in my word then you are truly my you truly disciples of mine so just go back who are disciples of jesus come on talk to me according to this who is a disciple of jesus those that continue where the Word. So, continuance in God's Word validates who is a disciple and who is not. And then you get the next well-known portion in verse 32, which says, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So, if you find a struggle, I'm in bondage to something. I can't get over something, right? I'm battling with sin or maybe not even sin, with sugar. Or whatever you want to say. I'm battling to overcome a particular thing. I'm saying to you, the Word of God will make you free. But you have to continue in the Word. You see, most people quote this verse without quoting the previous one. Many people like this verse. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But the context is, continue in the Word. Carry on. Continue in the Word. If you stay with John... In chapter 36, another famous verse, another famous verse. People love to quote this one. 36, if the Son will make you free, you will be what? You'll be free in deed, but I forget to read the next verse. the 37 says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has got no place in you. Right? If you study John 8, it's a fantastic passage to study. The whole chapter is very good. Context is this. The Jews around him were saying, we are Abraham's sons. We are Abraham's seed. Okay. He says this to them, that you guys are, let me paraphrase, he's saying you guys are bound. You guys are are mastered by something. You haven't learned self-control. If you want to be free, get my word in you. Get my word in you. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free, right? The truth will make you free. And whenever the son says free, wow, that guy is free indeed. And you're claiming to be Abraham's seed. He says, I know that by natural Jewish descent, all of you can trace your back lineage to some tribe in Israel, and hence to Abraham. But why do you seek to kill me? Why are you opposing Me. In other words, he's saying, your opposition of me, your desire to kill me, is in fact proof that you are no son of Abraham at all, because if you truly were a son of Abraham, you would not kill me, but you would have my word in you that will regulate your actions. But now, your actions are totally opposed to God's word. Why? Because, I like this phrase, listen carefully, my word has got no place in you my word has got no priority in you there's place in you for so many other things but there's no place in you for my word tell your neighbor have place for his word the the reason here is if you don't have place in life you will oppose what god is supporting you will oppose jesus try kill him and he's god's son your actions will always be wrong because you've got no GPS guiding you, right? You always fall prey to certain things because there's no strength of God's Word in you. By the way, the word for place in the Greek here yeah, is koroi, c-h-o-r-e-o, koroi. It literally means to pass through, to enter, and to hold, and to admit to pass through. Jesus is saying, my word cannot pass through you. My word has no admittance to admit any entrance into, and, and the word also means to hold on. My word has no hold, when it comes, it doesn't arrest you. Have you ever been in a place where the word of God arrested you? You were captivated by it, and even if you wanted to act contrary to it, you couldn't because you were constrained. I've had that experience many times. and Let me just say this. Sometimes when my flesh wants to pull me a certain way, guess what helped me? The, the Word of God, because it had place in me, so it has authority in me. Okay? To have space enough, it says, the word Correo, it means this, to have space or room for receiving and for holding something. You must be able to receive and Hold. In the New American Standard, in the marginal rendering it says, no progression. When Jesus said, my word has got no place in you, that Bible says, my word cannot progress within you, cannot move and find its way within you. I want to encourage you, if you are going to act righteously, not opposing what God is supporting, and not supporting what God is opposing, you want to do the right thing, it stems from this, your love for the Bible. Your love for God's Word. Okay? I challenged all the guys, if you are watching every game, offer a tithe of nine minutes. (laughs) The game is 90 minutes, right? 10%? Nine minutes. Offer a tithe to the Lord, reading your Bible for nine minutes. If you count all the games you've watched thus far, times nine minutes, you would have got a lot of reading done. (laughs) Hallelujah. Don't let nothing... Listen carefully. Many things might have place in you, But God's Word should have priority. It should occupy the highest place within your your life. Nothing must rival God's Word. A very well-known portion is Psalm 119, verse 9. It says, How can a young man cleanse his way but by heeding according to your Word? How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to the Word of God is purity righteousness yes or no yes so how are we going to are we going to maintain purity it says by heeding according to the word of god this sounds basic but let me just say that's why many are p- failing we're not taking diligence in how we engage god's word and when you're left with a, a temptation it, it will reveal the fact that the Word had no place. Word must have place. When God's Word has place, it has power. It has energy. It, it will cause you to say no to sin that tries to in, entrap you. In verse 11 of the same psalm, oh by the way, Psalm 119 is my favorite in the psalms. It's the longest psalm, right? But every verse speaks the psalmist how he loves God's Word. Every verse is about the Word. Read it before you sleep tonight. Install it. Lodge it. I will never forget the first time I fell in love with Psalm 119. I couldn't get enough of the Psalm. I read it for months. I read it every day. I read it in different versions of the Bible. I said, if this is power, if this is going to bring success, I want this thing in my life. Tell someone, take time to find place for the Word. You read you magazines <laughs> you're reading papers and you're not reading God's Word in other words you're not installing the very thing that's going to instruct you in terms of not just instruct you let me just say this God's Word doesn't simply instruct you it empowers you right every son must be a word-filled son there's no hope for righteousness if those who seek to be righteous are not going to be righteous by the word of righteousness that instructs you in righteousness 1st John 2 verse 13 this is a powerful verse 1st John 2 verse 13 says i am writing to you fathers because you know him who was from the beginning i'm writing to you young men why because you have overcome the how can you overcome the evil one he says I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. Okay? So he overcomes the the evil one. I just got the wrong verse, actually. There's another verse. Um, I'll just read where it's found. I think it's further down in the same chapter here. Now, to the young men. Everyone say, young men. Say, overcome. In other words, don't let that master you. You overcome, right? So... You overcome. Then later on, John says, I've written unto you, young men, because you are strong. And then he says this, And the word of God abides in you. So, you are strong. Why? Because of word abiding. And word abiding makes you overcome the evil one. I want to encourage us all. Listen to my sermons there's cds there's websites you have no excuse for no word word is a, word is freely available besides listening read for yourself every day your first i think practice this for yeah here's a good test i want to test you today here's a very good test for the whole church this week can i challenge you this whole week the first thing when you wake up don't reach for your phone let's see who's in control Let's see who's master and who's slave. Right? The first inclination, reach for your Bible and say, my first thought will be God's word. My first lodge, my first installment into my mind for today is going to be a principle from God's word. And let's see who's ruling who. You know, sometimes, you know when my phone was stolen recently, I was like phone-less for about three days. <laughs> Initially, yeesh. It's like the great tribulation started. (laughs) I'll be honest. Then I quickly said, no. Although I need it for various things. And they told me you'll get it like after three days or so. I actually enjoyed the rest. (laughs) And you know, I didn't miss it. Then I knew that thing's not mastering me. I'm mastering it. So are you going to try it this week? We'll report back next week. All the failures to my left, those who passed to my right. (laughs) Let's see who is controlling who. Well, now you're going to argue, but my Bible's on my phone. So if your Bible is on your phone, let me ask you this. Yes, take your phone, but ignore the messages. Don't click Facebook to see who liked your last post. Don't click Instagram to see how many likes your last picture got. You see, it's innocent, but don't be mastered by it. Because it will negatively impact... Do you know if you don't manage social media time, it's time consuming. It's time consuming for time that could have been spent in prayer or in the reading and the study of God's Word. Social media has place in you, but God's Word doesn't. Yeah? Why is the Gone So Quiet today? (laughs) Okay. Now, Galatians chapter 5 says this. I love this verse. Verse 1 says, listen carefully. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, let us keep standing and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Say freedom. So it is for freedom. Whoever the Sun says free is free indeed. It's to freedom to which we are called. And not mastery, not called. We're called as free men, not as slaves of anything. To freedom I am called. Christ has set me free. This verse says, I must therefore stand firm in it, but stand firm in the freedom and do not draw back and be subject as a slave to the burden or the yoke of slavery again. He who is free must beware that he doesn't drift back into slavery he who is free must be careful that subtle things are not controlling him okay i remember one time i was so obsessed with bodybuilding and with physical fitness and i would train seven days a week including sundays and um the lord i I was preparing i think it was post i was in first year university and it was preparing for a major competition i think in the middle of that year or something But simultaneously, I was feeling that God wanted me to fast for two weeks. And then I said, hey, but this is going to interrupt my routine because I need to eat certain things to build up. And the Lord said to me, I'll never forget this. Who's your master? Who's your master? Are you going to, it's not bodybuilding, it's not sin, sport is not sin. But if it controls you, when I'm leading you into prioritize a certain thing, then that becomes an idol. Okay? So I had to make a decision. Right? That, no, 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 I will, I will fast, because that's far more important than looking good physically. I'd rather look good spiritually, in the realm of the spirit, than look good physically in the, realm of the, in the realm of the flesh. Okay? So, and then in verse 13 of the same chapter, it says this, If you were called to freedom, brethren, do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serving one another. Through love serving one another now in closing i want to read romans we've got about 10 or 15 minutes i want to read romans chapter 6 and you'll see how all these concepts come together in romans 6. romans chapter 6 is a very powerful chapter the book of romans generally is a very difficult book it's paul's gospel they say i've just bought a commentary i ordered a commentary from the states by kevin connor on the whole book of romans it's that thick and i said to myself either In the july holiday or the december holiday i'm locking myself away i'm going to read romans backwards and forwards in various versions all 15 or 17 chapters of the whole book and i'm going to slowly work through it verse by verse because i want to know what was in paul's mind when he wrote this for the church what am i doing i'm planning to let the word of god have place it's not incidental it's a planned thing with me. You only get out what you put in. Yeah. Wow. Somebody asked me early in my walk in Christ, what, are you, what do you think you are by spiritual gifting? I said, I know I'm called to be a Bible teacher. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I'm maybe a bit of a pastor in me, but I'm not an evangelist. They said, what's your, you've got a little bit of everything, but what's your main thing? I said, it's teaching. I'm called as a teacher. Christ in me is Christ the teacher that I know. So they, they said, I was young, so they said, well, what are you doing about it? Are you studying God's Word because you have to teach something? <laughs> and they challenged me, if you're going to be that, you better prepare for that. Tell someone, prepare for that. Right? Don't be lazy. You see, we often say the Holy Ghost will bring back to your remembrance the things that Christ has said. But let him say something for, for the Holy Ghost to remind you. you can't, he can't remind you of things you have not installed. Amen. So keep the word of God in installed. Say it with me, I will not be a slave to anything, but I will be a master over everything. Now you don't sound convincing. <laughs> Say this with me. God hasn't called me to slavery to sin. He's called me to be a master over sin. OK? There's a lovely song we used to sing back in the day. Sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. We used to sing it as young people. It was a powerful song. Singing the word. I'm not under law. I'm under grace. But sin shall not be my master. Sing it with me. Come on, say it. it. Sin shall not be my master. Say it again. One, two. Sin shall not be my master. You're assertion. That's not going to master me. I'm going to rule that thing. Amen? Let me close before I lose track of time. Romans 6 verse 12. As I read this, this is my last text and we're going to close. I'm not going to comment much about things. I want to demonstrate a principle to you and then we're going to close. Listen carefully. Romans, Romans 6 verse 12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you don't obey its lust. And do not go presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of what? Instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as a lie from the dead and your members as what? As instruments to, to righteousness. Now, it says you present either your members. Let me just explain what members are. Members are your spirit, your soul, and your body. What are your members? Everyone say spirit, soul, and body. So I have a decision to present my spirit, soul, and body. Watch. Two options I have. It's either the word instrument. Everyone say instrument. Instrument Instrument literally means, yeah, something powerfully used for warfare in the Greek. It's an expression of war. I can either say, well, take body, soul, and spirit, and I healed it as instruments of war for unrighteousness. Or the other option, as instruments to, to righteousness. Let's carry on, okay? Then it says, For sin shall not be my master. Hallelujah. Sin shall not be your master. Say it with me one more time. Come on, church. Sin shall not be my master. That's what the Bible says. Sin shall not be master over you, but you are not under law, but under, but under grace. But don't use grace as license to sin. It says, "Grace in grace there's government. Grace is not reason to sin. Grace is the reason to conquer sin. You overcome sin by the power of the grace of God. Then it says in verse 14, watch. See, Paul says, what then? What then? Shall we continue to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And he says, King James, by no means. In A.S.P., May it never be. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Depending on what version you want to sing. Say, may it never be. It never. Now say it, say it like it, with this in mind. One, two, three. May it never be. It's emphatic. May it never be. Right? And then in the next verse he says, Do you not know that when... Now yes, the punchline church. He says, don't you know that when you present to someone... As slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in what? In righteousness. What Paul is saying here is, hey, in in my Barnwell language, what Paul is saying is this. It's either righteousness or unrighteousness, right? Take body, soul, spirit, your instruments. Say, well, I healed. What does heal mean? Bow, bow to... Unrighteousness or bow to righteousness. He is saying to whomever you present yourselves as slaves, what he's saying is you become enslaved to making that thing your master. Listen, what let me say it my way: whatever I bow to and say yes to. becomes my master but my submission to it is actually the thing that's busy empowering it as ruler over me so if i want righteousness to be my master i must obey take body soul and spirit and obey because if i obey to 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 sin it results in death but obedience results in in righteousness and the next verse But thanks be to God, that though you were slaves, once sin governed us. Not so. Once we were slaves to sin, but you have become obedient from the heart. I like this. To that form of teaching to which you were committed. Everyone say obey from the heart. To that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. When you obey doctrine, that form, that specific brand of of teaching, when you obey that Right, He says, thanks be to God. We weren't slaves, but we become obedient to a particular form of doctrine to which we have become committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of what? Come on, repeat after me. I'm a slave of righteousness. That's a good slave. When you become a slave of the right thing. So righteousness becomes my master. Let me just say this. Wherever is your master empowers you. Uh, It's whoever is controlling you will will activate uh, you in particular respects. And verse 19, just two or three more verses. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as, as slaves at one time in your life to impurity and to lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness, now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification. Resulting in purity. Verse 20. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of these things is death. The outcome of sin is always death. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome... Which is eternal life. The last verse, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's see how this is applied in the life of Cain. Genesis chapter four, verse six and seven. When Cain killed Abel, remember? Yeah. God asked him, Where's your brother? What did he say? Am I my brother's? I'm not my brother's keeper, right? I'm I'm not my my brother's keeper. I want to encourage you. You must become your brother's keeper. Amen? Um, why Why did he kill his brother? Because of the offerings. Abel's offering was accepted and his was rejected. So here's what God says to him. The Lord said to Cain, Oh, why are you angry? Because God rejected his offering. And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well... Will your countenance not be lifted up? And if you, do not, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you. But what did God tell him? But you must master it. I explain this to you like, with says sin crouching at your door, door is the image of a predator waiting to pounce on an unsuspecting prey. And I want to encourage us to master sin. Don't let the thing master you. Unfortunately for Cain, he let that uh, jealousy for his brother's gift being accepted master him. And he followed through with a murderous action, killed his brother. And he was forever rejected by God. And God said, the ground will not respond to you anymore which he was governed by an unchecked, unbridled tendency within him, which God reminded him, Bruh, you better master this, because its desire is for you. Here's a, a serious sounding warning to the house. The more you healed, the more you empower what you heal to, to control you don't yield to unrighteousness because that will dominate and literally dictate it will be the case to such a degree where if you don't if you leave it unchecked you'll get to a place where you don't have a decision anymore and you are governed by that master over you but the opposite is true when you obey to the right thing consistent obedience to righteousness will empower the righteous power of God to literally dictate all of your actions to do what is right when the chips are down amen do the right thing repeat after me sin, sin shall not be my master the words let these words that God said to Cain ring in your ears God saying to Cain it's desire God is saying sin wants to have you bro." God is warning Cain sin wants to eat you up sin wants to dominate you be careful, Cain. Cain, Cain, be careful. Be careful, Cain. Cain does not listen. And he's forever um, marginalized from the plans and the purposes of the Lord. Amen. I want to encourage you. The spotlight of God's Word is on righteousness. Don't do things in the dark that you think nobody will be aware of. The Bible says, everything done in the dark will be exposed to the light. What is the light? God's? God's Word. Um, The moment something is exposed, it loses power. So long as it's hidden, it gains authority. Not so. But its exposure neutralizes it. That's why if you're battling with someone, go speak to someone. If you're finding it difficult in your cell to handle, go to a trusted person and say, Hey, I'm battling with this thing. Let me just say, the moment you say, you, the moment you reveal it, it loses its power immediately. Because you you are not happy to say, let nobody know about this, I'm dealing with this by myself, but I'm battling, it seems, it's, it's my master. Let me just say this, the moment, you, don't go to anyone, please. Go to someone you can trust, someone that can maintain your confidence, all right? Come to me if you have to, right? And the moment you, and let me just say this. Whatever God exposes is not for embarrassment. God exposes to heal, right? How did that phrase go? Whatever He, whatever He reveals, He heals, yeah? If something is revealed, brought to the light, it's because God wants to heal. God wants to, to help, Amen. I want a, a church that is absolutely self-controlled hallelujah can you do a church yes, amen. by the grace of God you can amen you can start with the sugar if you have to okay who's on two sugars yeah, let me see your hand and I'll pray for you <laughs> I'm just <laughs> joking right? I'm saying start with something start with sugar start with little things start with I want to challenge the whole church first thing in the morning don't reach for your phone and look at your messages How about the last thing you do before you go to bed? Read a scripture. Think for five minutes on that before you sleep. Hey, you have a powerful sleep, brother. Wake up, first thing, scripture. Not first thing, Facebook or Insta or whatever. No, 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 first thing, word. You're training yourself in. You're you're proving who's boss. right? Do you know when you fast, you're saying to that empty plate, I'm boss. (laughs) I'll, you're saying to your body, I'll tell you when to eat brew. You don't tell me when to eat. I'm boss. Fasting is a form of self-discipline. You're saying, who's who? Who's in control? Who's in control? Amen? All I'm doing to myself is, I'm training myself in small ways to master things. So that if the big sin comes to tempt me one day, there's already a track record in me If I overcome little things, so I can overcome the big thing, you can master it in Jesus' name. Lift up your hands as I pray. Everyone lift your hands. I pray a brief prayer and just bless you. Father, I bless everybody in Jesus' name. I thank you. Your word says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, no longer to be enslaved with the yoke of slavery again. I bless your people. I bless uh, your sons. God, I impart the grace for self-control, by the power of your grace that is able to build us up. God, where we are struggling, help us God, help us to overcome. Sin will not have its desire with us. We heal our instruments, our body, soul, and spirit as instruments of righteousness, as instruments of war that will overcome every fleshly tendency. I pray, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would infuse great grace To every single one of us now in the name of Jesus. I declare we will be disciplined. We will be ordered. We will be structured. We will not be subject to our own whims and and fancies and emotions and ambitions and passions. But we will rule this flesh. Because you called us to rule and reign in life. So as we rule our flesh, we will reign in life. By the power of the grace of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen.